the following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional, Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. Well, it is Friday, thankfully. <laughs> uh, thankfully, it's Friday. Uh, just a word of warning. If you are a regular viewer of this program on YouTube, YouTube is being squirrely today. So you can get the audio stream on ProgressiveVoices.com. I think it'll be on NicoleSandlerStream.com, but I'm not sure because that hasn't been working uh, correctly lately either. Uh, we... Um, uh, let's see. We uh, are streaming on Twitter, Twitch, and uh, 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 Facebook as well. But again, you can always go back to the audio stream at um, <laughs> the audio stream at. Oh, hold on, I gotta, I gotta mute this at um, uh, progressivevoices.com. All right, you ready for Marcy Wheeler? Because I know I certainly am. Take it away, gods of videotape. I'm really glad Friday is here, and I'm really glad to see Marcy Wheeler. Um, technology is a wonderful thing, except when it isn't. And it's so cool that we can talk, me being in Arizona and you being in Limerick, Ireland, uh, every week. It's, uh, you know, this is the thing out of uh, science fiction that 20 years ago we never expected to really happen. Right. Uh, uh, photo phones. Remember, like, that used to be world you and I but that used to be a thing like oh my gosh can you imagine actually speaking to somebody and um and and somehow COVID through COVID everyone just lives on Zoom so whatever yeah and it's a, it's a new thing and I'm glad it's here but sometimes you know it gets in the way anyway um I don't know that technology is uh central to any of the things we're going to talk about today a lot of it is um analog, as it were, like the boxes of documents that Donald Trump took from the White House and had it Mar-a-Lago and other places. And now the trial, Marcy Wheeler, that uh, is supposed to be held in Florida um, (laughs) with a judge who was appointed by Trump. It looks like Judge Eileen Cannon is doing Trump's bidding despite her I don't, I don't know what she's been doing all along, but, she, but this week she made a major move that uh, is not uh, appealable. Right. Uh, there were other things she had done that were more subtle. Um, so, for example, she basically struck a filing that DOJ submitted about why there's a conflict uh, with, the other, with uh, Trump's other defendants and the lawyers, and then later complained that they hadn't explained what was in the struck filing um, and gave Trump's co-defendant another month, basically, to stall on that. So there there have been things that are more subtle. I think uh, Judge Cannon learned her lesson with the really humiliating reversal from the 11th Circuit last year when she stuck her nose into the case and what she's doing now, I mean, what she has effectively done, as far as we can tell, is used what's called SEPA, which is the Classified Information Procedures Act. Um, and and it is true that using classified information delays trial. It introduces sure. a whole set of processes that don't exist in a normal trial. And it And it really is true that trying to pull off a trial within nine months is ambitious. It, it's also true that you know, DOJ had everything packaged up to go. It's true that um, that some aspects of this were easier. Some are going to be harder because we're talking about some of the most sensitive secrets in government. However, um, Judge Cannon allowed fairly specious complaints, fairly specious time stalls from Trump's Trump and his co-defendants to uh, to not change the schedule, but basically say we're not going to do anything with the schedule until March, um, including some SEPA things that'll take a couple months. So everyone who knows SEPA has said, you know, the, the, the short version is 
um, Trump is not going to be required to say, here's the classified information we want declassified for trial until probably April at the earliest. And the, and the means- trial is still supposed to start in May, which is right. impossible. Right. If, right. So if, basically right. what Aileen Cannon has done is um, said, I'm going to delay the point where I say I'm going to delay the trial until really the the GOP primary is, is done. Um, so that's where we are on that trial. And, and I pointed out, I didn't do a full post on this, but um, at the hearing where she heard these kind of specious excuses from Trump's people, uh, Stan Woodward, who is the attorney for Walt Nata, right. the ballet, um, it, it is true that um, between all of the cameras that DOJ subpoenaed, so they, you know, they they were like, what happened with the classified documents? Let's subpoena the Trump's own surveillance cameras to figure out what happened with the with the boxes. Right. And um Trump and his co-defendants say, well, that that adds up to nine years of video. You know, so let's say 20, 20 video cameras over nine months and adds up to you know, 20 times nine is 180 months. And so that, you know, that's how they get to it's nine years of video. And um, Stan Woodward was saying, well, I need to look at all nine years of video because um, because as far as we know, those docs, those boxes still have disappeared. And he's sort of being, you know, like, Nata has told him what he knows of where the boxes are. So he probably knows more about what happened with the boxes than DOJ. But nevertheless, he's saying, I need to look at all nine years of surveillance video to figure out where those boxes disappeared. And it's like, so you're saying that it's still not clear what happened to boxes and boxes of classified documents. Like, did they go to Bedminster and disappear forever? Did they go to Bedminster when... Trump was about to co-host a golf tournament with the Saudis. Right. They're, maybe they're buried with Ivana. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's more likely that they're in, in, in Saudi Arabia than that they <laughs> were buried with Ivana, but, um, but we don't know and right. we don't know. And we're not going to find out. We're not going to get closer to finding out. Thanks to Aileen Cannon. And that, you know, it, as a, as a itself, I think, Republicans should object that she's going to delay them learning whether or not Trump really did sell out the country until after the primary, because then mm-hmm. they're going to be stuck. Right. Right. Um, and and yeah. as you it's point out, she, it's probably true. She's going to delay it right through November. But like they're going to be stuck. They're going to have this guy. And then all of a sudden a Florida jury is going to say, oh, my God, this guy sold out the country. And then Repu- so Republicans should care. But of course, they don't care because they don't care about any of these crimes, not even sticking the nuclear documents in your gaudy bathroom. They don't care about that. No, they don't. They don't. But this is an important point is we still don't know what happened with the documents. We don't know. Aileen Cannon doesn't know. Stan Woodward claims he doesn't know. We don't know where all the classified documents went to. We don't know. We have no way of knowing whether they're accounted for, whether they are in Saudi Arabia making, making troops less safe right now as war spills over across borders. Though. Right. Now you talked about Walt Nwada, who is, you know, Trump's whatever body man or his like right hand guy who who should know everything. But there was also that other guy, Useal, I think was his name, who was allegedly head of IT, who flipped. Um, do we know? Any- and has now been fired, by the way. Finally, I was like, <laughs> well, Trump didn't realize he was still employed. Oh and then God. this was kind of at the very um, CNN did a piece on here are the other people who were interviewed as part of the investigation. She's like, oh, um, it wasn't until fairly recently that Trump learned that uh, Tavares had been had, was still the IT guy. <laughs> oh and uh, so no, he's no longer the IT guy, right. which um, raises kind of witness tampering questions. But anyway. Right. And but but didn't wasn't what we learned from him that uh, his line was that Trump wanted him to, or, or, or through Walt Nwada, wanted him to erase the surveillance video? Nada and the third guy, Carlos de Oliveira, who is the groundskeeper, basically, or the right. maintenance guy. Um, and yeah, yes, that is the idea. And it's still not, you know, Trump's, so, Trump-friendly sources have said, well, you know, they they got all the video and it's like, 
Yeah, but it's not clear whether they got all the video from Mar-a-Lago, whether they got it from Trump organization itself. Like, it's not clear whether stuff was deleted locally or whether they had to go to um, to other contractors to make sure that they got in, in, uh, you know, all the video. Right. And Marcy, as you point out at EmptyWheel.net about uh, Cannon's delaying the uh, basically the deadline for the Trump uh, camp to say what documents they want declassified, which essentially will put off the trial because there's no way they'll be ready to go a month later. You wrote, at the very least, this ensures that Republicans will not know whether a jury finds that Trump uh, harmed the United States before they make him the party nominee. It may mean no voter gets to know that. And then what I found is a key line. You wrote, I finally found Trump's election interference. Will will the prosecutors use this as that? Um, we'll see. You know, they don't have a lot of leverage. People need to understand. And this is, you know, I, I have to say, like a year ago when I was telling everyone, don't put all your eggs in the in the trial basket, because even if there were a trial today, it's not clear it would be enough to disqualify Trump. Right. Um, you know, it's just it's it's a long process. And uh and even you know it's it, it it where i think the left failed was really pushing hard on and where they should right now with the with the stolen documents case is is pushing on the fact that um trump made the country less safe and republicans are going to are going to do nothing about it like you know the republican party is quite literally top to bottom at this point uh, a criminal protection racket and that those those suspected crimes, those accused crimes go so far as to leaving the nation's most sensitive secrets in, you know, in the shitter. Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> right. You know, that was Jasmine. Uh, Jasmine. I'm trying to remember the congresswoman's name from Texas. Dude. Oh, she's great. I, I don't remember yeah. her name either, but I can picture her really yeah. beautiful woman um, who is who speaks out. She's she's one of those. I love her because she says what she feels. It's similar well, to you can what maybe you clip that in by the time you post this is, is <laughs> maybe talking about the documents in the shitter. I will. I will look for that. Meantime. So this documents case apparently in my reading. This morning, I came across a headline. Honestly, I didn't read the whole story, but the headline was something like Trump goes ballistic when he finds out that there will be that Joe Biden will face no charges in his documents case. Um, So I guess something happened along those lines. But there's a big difference between the uh, documents that Joe Biden allegedly took and and the, 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 the reams of documents that Trump took. Right. Yeah, although let's wait. I mean, I guess one of the interesting things is it's taking Robert Herr until another month, at least, to write up his report. And it's like, you know, at some point we need to have a chat about special counsels because uh, the John Durham report was a 400 page report, like littered, littered with with false statements, with fabrications. And there was no means to hold him accountable for any of that. Like he could just say whatever he wanted in that. And because of the way, particularly, I mean, you know, I I have less complaint with Merrick Garland than a lot of people do about things that I can understand or explain. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one thing that I do complain is that he, he puts these, these special counsels in charge of investigations. And then they literally, I mean, some of the stuff Durham did was absolutely ridiculous. Um, and so I don't have any reason to believe that her did that, but like, you know, you, you've, you've dragged this out for, uh, for 13 months and um, it's not clear why, you know, and so you, uh, yes, we expect there's going to be a tremendous difference and the tremendous difference on paper is that um Biden found the documents and said, please come get them. Right. And Trump Hid them. repeatedly over and over refused to give them back. And then also, you know, there are those instances where Trump was basically sharing classified documents, classified records with other people. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's, it's astounding. Uh, but so so to be continued in the meantime, the the Trump uh, 
business fraud case continues in New York. The prosecution rested last week. Uh, Trump is putting on his case. Um, But there's been an issue where Trump and his attorneys have been mouthing off about the the judge and his staff and particularly his clerk who sits next to him, um, I guess, during trial. And there was a gag order. Then the gag order was rescinded. Then it was back in place. And now they rescinded it again. Do you understand what's going on here? Well, um, gag orders are have to be well established. And in the um, basically Trump is appealing a couple things. You know, he's, he moved for mistrial based on claims that that clerk made political donations, which were over what she was permitted to give given, you know, at, at one point she was on the ballot and, and how much she was permitted to give was higher um, the short version is, you know, the, the appeals court in New York stayed the gag so that they consider the gag. Um, whereas in D.C., at D.C. Circuit right now, Trump just today submitted his reply on his quick version of an attempt to that that gag is also stayed. Um, and in both cases, it's, you know, Trump, Trump that the, and this is this is where the D.C. case gets interesting. I mean, the D.C. case is fundamentally about Trump inciting violence. And he keeps saying, well, it's not in there. You didn't charge him with incitement, so you can't say I incited violence. And, you know, his game playing is really tedious. It's getting really boring. But he's like, well, you can't rely on the indictment of people like being attacked because I incited them because that was three years ago, two and a half. But who's counting? Um, you can't rely on the fact that after I issued a threat a day later, this crazy woman in Texas, this mental, I mean, she is mentally ill woman mm-hmm. in Texas, um, called up the judge's chambers and made a threat. You can't rely on the fact that another crazy supporter of mine who is who who was part of January 6th has been charged with January 6th related crimes, um, took the the address of Barack Obama in Calorama in D.C. Right, right. and went and started stalking him. And, you know, like that guy's attorneys are now saying, well, you know, most of the video he recorded was him being crazy. And it's true that the guy is mentally ill. It was known that he was mentally ill uh, before January 6th, since January 6th, you know, but um, but that's the like, a, I don't know, maybe 5% of the people who have gone through January 6th trials, which now is we're at 100, you know, 1200 people charged. Um, maybe not that many, but but a good many have mm-hmm. have mental illnesses. A good, good, good many have PTSD from serving overseas. Right. And um, and you know, it doesn't make them it doesn't make their mental illnesses any less uh problematic for them. You know, they right. it's not um but the but the issue is that a lot of people with mental illnesses are fans of Donald Trump. <laughs> and those people you know, like the fact that those people may take up arms and, you know, shoot down an FBI office yeah. doesn't make the impact, doesn't excuse his impact any that that he has that effect on people, both who are um, per- perfectly healthy and people who have uh, real mental struggles. But um, it's 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 um, yeah, it's just a very frustrating time because, I mean, the other thing that Trump is doing, which I think really needs more attention, um, and he's been doing it for years. Remember, like he got elected on saying that a Latino judge should not be able to sit in yeah. judgment. Of him. Oh, yeah. Um, in D.C., he is going after Jack Smith because his wife gave political gave two thousand dollars to Joe Biden. Maybe I haven't <laughs> wow. checked those. You know, mm-hmm. like that's and and so he like in his in his reply brief at the D.C. Circuit, he literally says, you know, I should be allowed to attack Jack Smith's wife because she donated money to Joe Biden. And what what is not getting enough attention and has never gotten enough attention. I mean, he did this with with um, Mueller. Mm-hmm. He did. And, and when he did it with Mueller, like even Steve Bannon was sort of like, dude, these 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 complaints are ridiculous. Now they have become completely accepted in the Republican Party for Trump to say that no Democrat. No one who identifies as a Democrat may sit in judgment of Donald Trump. You know, it's perfectly okay to have a judge he appointed in Florida 
preside over the case and stall the case out past the time, at least of the primary. Right. But no Democrat may sit in judgment of Donald Trump. That is where he is right now. And and he, because it's piecemeal, um, you know, we're not talking about it as what it is, which is to say that he says only a Republican can sit in judgment of Donald Trump. And those Republicans he has, um, he, you know, he he's issuing threats against them now. Right. Oh, if they don't if they don't carry his water correctly. Right. 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 And the the thing that's so disconcerting is, you know, um, not to praise Joe Biden, but at least Joe Biden comes with the position of, you know, I'll be president for all the people, even if you didn't vote for me, that's okay. You're still Americans and I still represent you. Donald Trump always approached with the attitude of, if you're not with me, you're the enemy. And, you know. And And if you're not with me, then I will retaliate against you. Like this is, this is where, and I, you know, I'm completely a jerk about this right now because I'm so fed up with it. Like New York times has done this um, reasonably good series going back to June about uh, Trump's plans for being a fascist, basically, although they, they won't call it a fascist because if they called it a fascist, then New York Times maybe would have to disinvite uh, Elon Musk from their little talk. Oh, boy, we're going to get there. Uh, um, (laughs) But but and then Washington Post, including Devin Barrett, who is is a handmaiden for this kind of retaliation. I mean, he's he's really I mean, granted, this is my own personal gripe, but that's because I've caught him doing it over and over again. Um, And he's saying, oh, these horrible things that Donald Trump will do in the future. And it's like, no, there's a continuity here, like. There is a continuity between what Trump did against Peter Strzok and Jim Comey and going back, you know, going back to the judge, a Latino judge can't sit in judgment of Donald Trump. That was even before he was elected. Right. Uh, um, lock her up. Right. Yep. Like, how can you say he was about jailing his enemies in the future when Maggie Haberman, who's on this New York Times series, had a had a very fundamental role in helping him get elected on the her emails line. Right. Like it, this is a continuity. And what what is being missed, although I think Jonathan Carl, uh, because he's coming at the story in a different way, it does a much better job of it. But like what is being missed is that. This like when you have a single party. State. And that's what Trump wants. Mm-hmm. Trump wants all Democrats to be excluded from civic life. Right. When you have a one party state, everybody is subject to the retaliation, to the threats, to uh, to the whims of the head of the party of Donald Trump. And so, you know, I, you know, I keep going back like Republicans when Jim Jordan was sicking threats on their wives. Yeah. All of a sudden, like, this is terrible. It's like, well, what the hell do you think you have been a part of in the last seven years? You've been a part of the same kind of threats. They just weren't your wives. And now that it's your wife, all of a sudden you're discovering the dangers of Donald Trump. I mean, that's not entirely true because I'd say two thirds of the people targeted who are identified in the um, January 6th indictment, probably more, probably three quarters are Republicans. They're, right. you know, they're, they're people like Brad Raffensperger. Um, but Georgia really is the one place in the Republican Party that hasn't just joined Donald Trump in saying we are going to we are going to pursue a one party government and we are going to use threats of violence and politicize retaliation to enforce that one party government and and they have been doing it yeah. like that's how trump beat the Mueller rap and that's how trump uh you know trump that's how i guess one of the reasons i'm so furious about this is basically it ends up whitewashing bill barr's role bill barr spent all of 2020 doing the things that these reporters claim will only happen in the future and it's like we need to talk more about what Bill Barr did mm-hmm. uh, and not least because what Bill Barr did is, is the basis for impeachment in the house right now. Like the, the, the politicized investigation of Hunter Biden yes. is the, is the foundation of impeachment in the house right now. And so like, until we acknowledge that, until we acknowledge 
the 12 different ways that Bill Barr politicized the investigation into Hunter Biden. And some of them are hilarious and some of them are disgusting. Um, but until we you know, talk about that, then, you know, people will continue to treat the Hunter Biden, Biden investigation, whatever. It's not an investigation. It's a stunt yes. um, in the House as if it were a serious pursuit. And all it is is the continuation of, of Donald Trump's politicization already in 2020, in 2019, in 2018 of government. Yes. And you have a great piece up at mtwheel.net. In a bid for a Trump subpoena, Abby Lowell cites Trump's complaints about politicization. It, it's just never ending. Um, you know, one of the one of their diversions has been to claim all along that January 6th was, you know, um, uh, uh, was a false flag operation. It was Antifa. It was, you know, Black Lives Matter. Well, a, the, that Antifa myth as you tell us, was uh, uh, kind of put to rest when the, the one guy who Trump's people had accused of being an Antifa plant um, was convicted on seven charges? Yeah. Um, so this is a guy named John Sullivan, African-American guy who had been kicked out of Antifa Black Lives Matter. He's from He's the adopted son of a white Utah colonel. Uh, and he had been active in Black Lives Matter protests for some time leading up to 2021, but activists had all blackballed him. They had all said, keep this guy out of here because he's, he is, um, he's a provocateur. He's not, he doesn't have any commitment to the cause. Mm -hmm. He keeps inciting violence, you know, so he had been kicked out. And then on 20, on January 6th, he took, um, probably some of the most famous video the he took video of people trying to break down the door and Ashley uh, Ashley Babbitt being shot. Oh, wow. so that's him. Right. Uh -huh. But he's sitting there as he's taking the video saying, I've got a knife. Let me up to the front. I've got a knife. Let me up to the front. And so in his trial, uh, no, he really said that like in his trial, he um, said, Oh, I was just a journalist. And um, apparently, you know, there are so few people covering this anymore, but um, but uh, he apparently, you know, apparently the prosecutor had just a field day cross cross examining because these people all take the stand and they, you know, they're all they're all easy to rip to shreds on right. the stand. Um, but um, and also speaking of people claiming to be journalists, Owen Schroyer, who is. Alex Jones's sidekick. Oh, okay, I knew the name sounded is, familiar. He's serving him. his, I don't know, month and a half prison term. He's serving his prison term as we speak. Because um, he also, like, he was a special case. Um, DOJ was able to prosecute him without too much hassle because he had a pre-existing um, uh, non-prosecution agreement that he broke oh, in his actions on January 6th. So um, just, just, I think it's worth pointing out that Owen Schroyer, A, had his phone fully exploited. Um, and on his phones, he uh, is understood. He is understood to have been in the Friends of Stone um, texting list. Right. So, you know, he's one degree away from Roger Stone, one degree away from um, Stuart Rhodes. And of course, Alex Jones and Enrique Tapio, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and now, as of right now, for another like three weeks, he's doing his prison sentence for January 6th. And, and then what of Alex Jones? Is he going to skate on all this? I mean, look, he was, he was found um, um, responsible for defaming the Sandy Hook families and, and on the hook for close to a billion dollars, I think something ridiculous. And he hasn't paid a cent and he's still going about his business. Is there any way to, to hold him accountable? Well, so is he going to skate on January 6th? Um, in Owen Schroyer's documents, he's always referred to as person one and often, but not always often that ends that, that turns into that leads to somebody being charged. Uh, he's referred to as person one in a way that Ali Alexander is not. Hmm. So in other words, Ali Alexander, you know, I, I think could easily be charged, although there are probably, bigger first amendment concerns with doing so. I mean, I think he should be charged because he defrauded the government in trying to get permits for multiple sites, but um, 
but Alex Jones, of course, got millions of dollars to pay for the riot. And um, and so we don't know, you know, like one of the things about Trump being charged is it has completely distracted attention from whatever else Jack Smith might be doing. And I wouldn't be surprised if he has the ability to bring charges, to bring interim charges. Um, but I suspect that he's going to wait and see whether anything goes to trial because he doesn't want to hold up the Trump trial. And, you know, if Trump wins the election, he's just going to pardon everybody. So, yeah. Um, anybody who's been nice to him, but if you've crossed him, then, um, not so much, by the way, the Congresswoman whose name we couldn't think of before Jasmine Crockett is yep. her name. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So that's Alex Jones. We got this Antifa guy found guilty on uh, seven charges, five felonies, hasn't been sentenced yet, but these prosecutions are still happening. Uh, even though, as you said, uh, most, not many, there's not a whole lot of coverage of it. Um, but, but these other, you know, cases are coming, uh, in the works and for instance, in one of them, I, I guess it's Jack Smith's uh, January 6th case where Jeffrey Clark, who was the guy uh, who Trump wanted to appoint uh, attorney general to do his bidding. Apparently he released his prospective witness list. And yeah, so that's his disbarment. Oh, he that's was able disbarment. to delay his disbarment in D.C. for quite some time. And uh, and that is going forward, I think next month, uh, or maybe January, but in any case, which is it, which is important because Trump wants him to be attorney general or something in a second term. And, you know, and he's facing disbarment and criminal charges. So he is charged. He's facing charges in Georgia and he is an unindicted co-conspirator in, in Trump's DC case. Wow. Uh, and he is being disbarred and, John Eastman's uh, disbarment trial is finally coming to a conclusion next month uh, where there'll be, you know, closing arguments and everything in that. It's been going on like six months. Wow. Yeah. So there's all these different uh, things happening at the oh, same time. And speaking right. of lawyers, also yeah. very cool next month is the um, damages for Ruby Freeman against against oh. Rudy Giuliani. And they're asking somebody for somebody else who won't pay after he after he loses a lawsuit. But uh but but they released their exhibit list for that trial. And it's going to talking about the threats that Trump makes. It's, you know, like there are like maybe four pages of the exhibit list is just descriptions of threats that they got after Trump and Rudy attacked them. I mean, there's like a, a, maybe two thirds of a page of threats that um, Shay Moss's uh, minor son got oh on his God. Phone. You know, and they're, you can tell they're racist. They're like threats of, of um, lynching. And Ugh. it's just, it's just disgusting. And so that's going to be going on next month as well. Good to know. Well, Marcy Wheeler, speaking of Rudy Giuliani, another one who, you know, we're waiting to see him held responsible for something. Apparently, Ukrainians government charged three of the people uh, from whom Rudy sought dirt on the Bidens with treason. But he was not named in this. What can you tell us about this? Well, what we know is that, as you said, three, uh, the most best known of whom is Andre Durkach, um, because he he uh, Andre Durkach was named as a as a foreign agent in August or September of 2020. So before the election, uh, you know, in the middle of Rudy trying to go fetch all of this dirt. Uh, and and basically what Ukraine did was say these three people took $10 million from Russia's GRU to work against the interests of Ukraine. And so that's the substance of the treason charge against them. Two have already fled and presumed to be in, you know, in Russia or somewhere. Wow. Um, but the third uh, is this guy Dubinsky and, and he claims he's innocent and, you know, he's he is, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But one of the things I did um, was, and it, this has been clear, this has been somewhat, I mean, let's go back to Bill Barr. I laid out after that happened, I laid out an explanation of why why Rudy was not charged in right. the United States. And the answer is quite simple. 
SDNY, so Manhattan's uh, federal prosecutor, was investigating, and the next steps that they would have taken uh, would have been to investigate his meeting with Andre Durkacz on December 5th, 2019, in the middle of impeachment, remember? Right. So, like, uh, that didn't stop Rudy. Rudy's like, oh, Donald Trump is being impeached for trying to get dirt from Ukraine for, to win an election. And I'm going to go meet people that everyone knows is an agent of Russia to get dirt on Hunter Biden. And as I described in that post uh, in January of 2020, again, in the middle of impeachment, Bill Barr set up this incredibly jerry-rigged system where the U.S. attorney for Brooklyn mm-hmm. was a gatekeeper for any new investigations having to do with Ukraine. And that had the effect of stopping SDNY, the federal prosecutor in Manhattan, Mm -hmm. uh, of stopping their investigation short of where they would have been investigating Rudy for working with this known federal agent, the the known Russian agent. So the Durkach investigation got moved to Brooklyn without Rudy being a subject the Rudy investigation had to do with his earlier uh, influence peddling to get dirt on, on on Hunter Biden. And then, and this is the really scandalous stuff, um, Scott Brady, and I, we talked about this last week, mm-hmm. Scott Brady, the U.S. attorney for Pittsburgh, was put in charge of basically um, vet, vetting, but as he described in his testimony, he did very little actual vetting, um, basically mainlining this stuff from Rudy Giuliani after he met with a Russian spy, uh, to the Hunter Biden investigation. And so it's this incredibly, con- you know, this in- incredibly jerry-rigged system, but it had the effect of, um, oh, and one more part, which again, I'm sure we talked about last week, but like we learned, thanks Chuck Grassley running his mouth, we learned that in the middle of this, Bill Barr's DOJ shut down an investigation into Burisma, Burisma's new right. Nikolai Zolchevsky. So in other words, like in the middle of impeachment, an impeachment about whether Burisma is corrupt. Bill Barr's DOJ shut down an investigation into Burisma's owner and then found a way to mainstream accusations that Zlachevsky made during impeachment about Joe Biden into the Hunter Biden investigation. That's amazing. Insane. Right. That that was the next you, you in that post. You asked two questions. One, why wasn't Rudy ever charged, which you answered. And the other was, how does this relate to Hunter Biden's laptop, which is like, Ah, I feel like I'm pulling my hair out because the, this this stupid Hunter Biden's laptop, which is like, but her emails, it's it's their mantra. Um, and as you've been telling us, there's you know there it's so convoluted um, that even if this maybe was Hunter Biden's laptop or hard drive at some point, it's been perverted. It's gone through so many hands and there's no clear chain of command of, 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 um, uh, of what, of, um, what's the word I'm looking for of, uh, holding of, of, damn, I'm losing it, but it, 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 it's questionable provenance if, if that makes sense. Right. Right. And, but nevertheless, it was used in the Hunter Biden uh, investigation. Um, and uh, there was a report from CNN saying that the there's a grand jury in Los Angeles that is um, subpoenaing information for tax charges against Hunter Biden. As you said, Abby Lowell, Hunter Biden's attorney in Delaware, is saying I need subpoenas for Trump, Bill Barr. Jay Rosen and uh, Richard Donahue, who was in charge of that whole jerry-rigged thing that I described, um, because I need evidence on how how this was politicized. It's going to be an interesting debate, uh, but those challenges normally get nowhere. They might get further with Hunter Biden, just because it's like such a clear case that the president was intervening in a, in in an investigation and and. Even just what we know from the Scott Brady testimony is is scathing. I mean, right. like literally finding a way to mainstream information from a known Russian spy into the investigation of Donald Trump's opponent, um, which is what happened. That is literally what happened. And uh, and it should be, you know, it should be somebody besides me who, you know, I shouldn't be the only one talking about it because, you know, it's it, it's all over. It's like it's not there, but, you know. I think it's a case of there's so much shit out there and you throw, you know, throw it against the wall and see what sticks. It's hard to cover it all. 
I no, that's a cop. But out. you cover I mean, it all. So, yeah, yeah it is a no, cop. Out. I mean, it's a cop out like CNN did cover Scott Brady's testimony. But all they did was say, does this help impeachment? And and I was like, did you read the transcript? Because the transcript supports impeachment of Donald Trump. Like, you know, read the transcript. Uh, it was a it was a singular case where, you know, these are Jerry Nadler staffers on the Democratic side, and they know this stuff better than Jim Jordan does because they were the first ones to expose this Jerry Rig system. And I'm like, it is really, really damning stuff. Uh, and, you know, they they ignored it. And then the same people were like, OK, let's talk about the ongoing Hunter Biden investigation or let's talk. I mean, CNN was late to report, for example, the that Rudy's associates in Ukraine were charged. Same people reported it it's like well you got to connect those two but Mm -hmm. you know those are connected like connected connected uh marcy willer is with us you find her at emptywheel.net where she lays out all this information for you nonstop. uh does it without a paywall i should say and she is uh, reader supported so please go to emptywheel.net and support her work um one of one of the things i love about you is i operate the same way no paywall um, if you, you know, if you appreciate the work, hopefully you will support it so we can keep doing the work. So Marcy, this week, uh, the dysfunction in Congress continued. Their new speaker, Mike Johnson, had to rely on Democratic votes in order to get a continuing resolution to keep the government open. Um Now there's noise that some of those same players, the ones who got uh, Kevin McCarthy ousted, want uh, Mike Johnson's head, even though he's as MAGA as they come. But he made he committed the ultimate sin of working with Democrats. Yeah, look what's going to happen, though. Um, Yeah. So he did. He um, adopted a continuing resolution that threw two bones to the nutballs in that he split it. So there's actually two continuing appropriations in January, one for everything and then the other for defense. Um, and those will come back up in January as as some reporters in DC are saying that for the first time means we get Christmas off because normally <laughs> this hostage situation happens right before Christmas. That's so right. good for them. They get to have Christmas off. Uh, but um, one of the, so we'll get to Santa. Yes, that's my last thing. That's the next thing. Yeah. But remember that one of the, one of the underlying things is next up for the um, ethics committee is Matt Gates. Oh, good. And it is believed that, that the ethics committee has developed uh, like the Florida case. It can't be your show without us talking about of your former not. state, but um, you know, the case against Matt Gates uh, soliciting sex from underage women uh, was solid in Florida. It just wasn't something you could charge, you could prove beyond a reasonable doubt because the, because the Gates associate that was involved in that is somebody who had framed somebody else for for uh, for sleeping with underage women, and so it wasn't great as a legal case. But there is apparently a fair amount of evidence being heard by the ethics committee in Congress. And so one of the reasons why Matt Gates is acting like he has nothing to lose is because he has nothing to lose. I've even seen people say that he's going to try and run for governor of your former state. Yes. Oh good thing you God. got the hell out of there. Oh my goodness. But, um, no idea. So, uh, so the ethics report on Santos is finally out. I finished it, but haven't written about it. The, you know, the TLDR is that they were able to corroborate what the Brooklyn prosecutors have corroborated, plus one more step. Like one of the things that they described is when they were investigating, DOJ said, please uh, hold off on your investigation because we don't want you to interrupt our investigation. And they said, you know, screw you. They kept going back and forth. And so the footnotes are sort of interesting because they're like, DOJ didn't want us to do this. DOJ didn't want us to do that. We, you know, and and. And remember, so what what Santos has been charged with in Brooklyn so far is one um, bilking uh, unemployment. Like he was getting unemployment while he was employed. Oh, my God. Um, two, a s- series of fundraising problems. So he wasn't disclosing his fundraising. He was lying to get on the whatever RNCC's privileged donation set was. So he, he told them he was making more money than he was. Um, he was 
making donations in people's name so that he'd have names, even though they weren't the ones giving the donations. Um, He like one of his associates pled guilty this week for pretending to be Kevin McCarthy's chief of staff to go get donations. I remember that. His his campaign finance person pled guilty in September. And now this guy (laughs) pled guilty last this past week. Um, the campaign, the the campaign fi- finance person basically pled guilty to um, what I told you, telling the Republicans that he was making more money and helping to 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 launder these frauds. She pled guilty to um, conspiracy to all of this. Um, but in the Santos report, in addition to all of that, right? And and the Santos report is like the nice thing about the Santos report is they don't have to be discreet. So they're like, this is what he spent money on. You know, right. he spent money on only fans and Ferragamo yes. <laughs> and Botox and, oh uh, and public and plastic surgery, other plastic surgery, I guess Botox is plastic surgery, you know? So they describe the ridiculous things, um, her mess, like that he's, he was spending money on, um, and, you know, and paying his rent and so on and so forth. And, and describing how, he was basically using this campaign as a as a piggyback for him, the piggy bank right. for himself. Um, but there are aspects of it that are that still have to drop. So if you read, um, it's I think today the Daily Beast had a pretty good report, uh, Roger Solenberger about uh, Santos had said he gave his campaign five hundred thousand dollars and didn't, and then six months later he did. And one of the things this report solves is where that came from and it came from florida (laughs) of course it did it came from it came from a woman in miami who ostensibly he helped broker a a yacht sale uh but she gave him some or all of that and that's one where doj said specifically don't go there we still have to go there so that's an that's another shoe to drop in the george Santos criminal investigation and then there's all of this stuff about um, two more, two or three more businesses that Santos had in Florida. One of which is he was part of a um, hedge fund or something, some kind of financial fund that uh, was shut down by the SEC in 2021, uh, basically as a Ponzi scheme or some kind of, you know. And one of the things that you see in the congressional report that doesn't make any of the indictments yet is that he always hid his ties to that entity that the SEC had shut down in his campaign finance report. So he was claiming to be super wealthy. All of that was lies, but he was hiding one source of his income, which was this Ponzi scheme or some other kind of. And so, again, that's another shoe that may or may not drop. But um, it we we you know, I as I was reading it, I was like, I can't tell whether this guy is just such a grifter it was like breathing with him. Every time he turned yep. around, he, he was telling more lies and finding more ways to kind of um, engage in financial fraud or whether there's some there there, like whether there's some underlying who funded him, who, right. you know, why did that woman in Miami give him $500,000? She claimed she thought it was a financial donation to him and to other people. Maybe that's true. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like, Every time you turn around with George Santos, there's another there's another grift. Yeah. And I still can't, you know, like I'm like this. I'm like, I can't tell whether we're getting a hold of it or whether it's just that it, there's it's so not, slippery there. Right there. It's right. Grift, it, it's ripped all the way down. Yeah, he, he's he's an odd one. And, you know, it fits right into the Trump family because they lie as well, except his lies seem to be in a whole different sphere in that he he's lied about his mother being what being a Holocaust survivor or dying of cancer. Or, I mean, everything is just a huge story. And it turns out they're all false. I, I heard a piece of an interview with him from last week when he his excuse was, well, everybody lies on their resume. I'm like, no, everybody doesn't lie on their resume, number one. But then the interviewer said, yeah, but you lie about everything. And he was like, yeah, it's amazing that he ever got into Congress. That's a whole story. The Democrats screwed up there for this guy to get elected. It's amazing. Like one of the things that the congressional report makes clear, and, and we knew this, 
was that in 2021, his or in 2020, his congressional staffers did a report that said, what, you know, what did the Apple research look like? And they looked at it and like four of them quit right away because <laughs> they knew he was a fraud. And rather than quitting, they said, get out of the race. And rather than doing it, I guess this was in 2021. So uh-huh. it was, you know, rather than quitting, which is what they told him to do, he kept going. Yeah. And he just kept doubling down on the lies. And um, and and now so to go back, we were talking about Mike Johnson. Right. Um, and his reliance on Democrats to keep the government running. Um as of right now, so there's going to be a special election in Utah in next week, I think, where because um, the the replacement for David Cicilline was sworn in this week. So oh. uh, Dem- so in the vote to pass the um, continuing resolution, Democrats had one more vote than they had for the rest of the year because they had they, they had replaced Cicilline. Um, and Republicans have not yet replaced Chris Stewart from Utah, who resigned to take care of his spouse. Um, so, you know, by the end of the month, everything will be back to full numbers. But people are talking about getting rid of Santos right, right after we come back. And we'll see what happens with Matt Gates. I mean, like Republicans are all about to beat each other up. Like there was that there was that <laughs> spat between McCarthy and uh, oh my I forget God. which one it was. One of these one of these Christian nationalists. Who right. Who says he elbowed him in the kidney. McCarthy uh, denies it. There was that. There was the uh, Jim Comer calling the guy who w- was my congressman, I guess, um, Jared uh, Moskowitz. Moskowitz, yeah. A smurf. It's like, what? <laughs> and they, I, I mean, it looks like, like they were going to come to blows. It's like, oh, it's astounding what's going on there. Although that was great. I mean, Moskowitz was calling out Comer for being guilty of everything he accuses right. uh, Joe Biden of. That's and it right. was, you know, Comer was pretty thin skinned about it. And, you know, I think, I think <laughs> you that, look that's like a that. smurf. Really? That's, that's how fair, you come He up? had a wonderful, uh, I mean, blue he had a wonderful blue plaid jacket. So <laughs> I think Comer who, you know, is just a dumbass from Kentucky probably doesn't care how he dresses and, and Moskowitz was dressed well. And so his way of, <laughs> of, of, you know, he also was beating up on Dan Goldman. He was, yes, like, he was the trust fund. That's yeah. right. The trust fund baby. And you're, you're a blue smurf. There yeah, at all, no, right, none at all. By the way, speaking of anti-Semitism, I, we couldn't uh, have this <laughs> hour end without talking about Elon Musk, who's reached new depths of anti-Semitism. Um, For anyone who didn't see it, let me see, I just had it here a minute ago. Um, Somebody wrote, uh, the artist formerly known as Eric, said Jewish communities have been pushing the exact kind of dialectical hatred against whites that they claim to want people to stop using against them. I'm deeply disinterested in giving the tiniest shit now about Western Jewish populations coming to the disturbing whatever, and then it gets cut off. And Elon Musk replies, retweets it, and says, you have said the actual truth. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this is new depths of anti-Semitism. The guy's an anti-Semite. The guy has, you know, what he has said about doing when he took over Shitter is to bring back neo-Nazis. Bring them back, and and he only gets rid of them if they're like full on saluting Hitler. That's yeah. like that's his line in the sand. And anything short of that, he's not just going to bring them back and welcome them with open arms. He is going to um, promote them. It, you know, he did it with Kanye. Right. Yes. Like it, he he uh, it's just that people need to call him and Trump out for I mean, because Trump, of course, started using the term Berman. Yes, he it's did. It's not that Trump was not clearly a racist before that, but, um, you know, it's no longer dog whistles. It's explicit. And I think that, um, you know, maybe finally the press has permission to call this what it is, anti-Semitism, fascism, whatever, you know, um, but only it's still baby steps, you know, people, you know, uh, whatever it is, it's disturbing because the incidents of anti-Semitism are on the rise exponentially. And then this asshole goes on and does this shit on, on shitter appropriately enough. Uh, Marcy Wheeler, as always, thank you. Anything we didn't hit on that we should be talking about? No, I don't. Okay. I'm sure there is, but Probably. have a good Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you. You too. So um, you're in Ireland. Thanksgiving's not a thing there. Um, 
you know, I'm here. It's up to you if you want to do next week or take a week off and reconvene the following week. I I am going to make a turkey, although because of my foot, Uh I'm not hosting anyone. We, I hosted um, my spouse's family last, last year, which was a load of fun because, you know, um, because it's easy to schedule them for Thanksgiving because they don't otherwise have Thanksgiving plans. But okay. um, on, on because of my foot, it's just going to be us. But we are driving an hour to pick up a turkey uh, out on Wednesday because that's, you know, like not not many farmers have turkeys all ready to go for Thanksgiving. So I right. mean, we are going to cook a turkey. We just don't know when we're doing it yet because obviously it's just the two of us. We can right. do it whenever we want. <laughs> okay. So, so next Friday, we'll do it again. I'll talk to yeah, you then. We'll do it again. As always, thank you so much, Marcy Wheeler, the best. Find her at emptywheel.net. Uh, still on the shitter at Empty Wheel. Uh, Blue Sky. Um, Mastodon. Mastodon. All right. And here every Friday. Thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving. Good to be okay. on Nicole. Talk to you later. You too. Marcy Wheeler uh, with us again every Friday here and next week because um, if she's available, I'll do it. I am thinking I'm going to take the rest of the week off. As it was, I had already planned on Wednesday off because uh, I'm getting together with an old, old friend that I haven't seen in a long time. Thursday, of course, is Thanksgiving. Tuesday, (coughs) excuse me. (coughs) Sorry about that. Wow. Uh, Tuesday, uh, I think Laffy was going to be here, but... Yeah, you know what? I will, um, I'll decide (laughs) over the weekend. So uh, either we'll do something Monday and Tuesday or I'll run um, shows that uh, you probably have not heard before. Um, uh, Wednesday, I'll definitely be taking the day off. That's day before Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving Day, I'm going to do what I always do. Uh, at least on Progressive Voices, and that is play a Thanksgiving music show. So, and maybe we'll do two days of it. Maybe we'll do one Wednesday and one Thursday because there are plenty of songs about um, uh, you know things for which we're grateful. And actually, this is probably a good time to do that. So, we'll see. Uh, again, Monday and Tuesday up in the air. Wednesday and Thursday, best of shows. Friday. Marcy Wheeler and probably not promising anything yet, but probably Friday night, uh, a special um, edition of the show with, uh, oh, Nancy McLean show, Philip Collier, you got it. I will run that. uh, How about we'll run that on Monday? Um, I'll find it and run that on Monday. Um, Yeah, good idea. We'll see about Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thanksgiving music shows, Friday, (laughs) Um, uh, Marcy Wheeler, and then um, Brad Friedman and Desi Doyen are going to be in town because, you know, Brad's mother lives uh, in the Phoenix area. So they will be here for Thanksgiving. And Brad has threatened to come over here so we can do a show together. So we may just have to do that on Friday. Since I'm not doing a show for KPFK, we'll have to do one, you know, um, a bonus show, as it were. Uh, If you thought you were going to tune in to hear me on KPFK uh, in a couple of hours, that's not happening. And you can thank, um, well, a troll for that. All right. uh, With that, we're done. Uh, It's been a week. It's been one hell of a week so uh, I'm gonna go I will see you uh, whenever (laughs) Um, maybe Tuesday maybe Wednesday and Thursday for the music shows Uh, but those are good shows to have if you need a soundtrack for your Thanksgiving dinner you might want to use those two hours alright I'll start preparing them this weekend because music you know soothes the savage breast even if it's you know, turkey breast. All right. With that, um, have a great weekend, everyone. Unplug from the news. I know I will. Have a good one. Bye-bye.